0: Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts, a unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues and don't forget to leave a rating review or both. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host Dave Roberts and today it's my pleasure to have one of our own local therapists uh, on the podcast today. Her name is Tammy Zumbo. Let me tell you a little bit about Tammy. Tammy Zumbo is a licensed clinical social worker who works with people at an intuitive spiritual level. She will strive to collaborate in navigating your journey. She combines energy medicine and energy psychology into sessions. She specializes in the guidance of empaths, white workers, and highly sensitive people. And she also works very extensively with the LBGTQ community. Tammy's goal is to help validate all who seek her wisdom, support, and tools to help them navigate the world. She also teaches workshops in the area of energy healing, empath self-care, energy psychology, and she also blends, teaches blending complementary therapies into direct practice modalities. She's also available, available for speaking engagements. Tammy is currently writing a book titled Rebellious Healers, Finding Your Balance, and she is always interested in your empath story. Tammy, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am excited to have you here today. Thank you, Dave. Tammy and I met through a mutual acquaintance in Albany, and he suggested that I get in touch with you. And you know, one thing led to another. I know you came to speak to my classes at Pratt. Uh, we ended up having some really interesting conversations about intuition, energy psychology, impact empaths, and you recently moved into our uh, greater Utica community. Cause I know you have relatives in the area and I know you're in private practice at, at this point too. Again, it's just great to have you here today. Thank you. So Tammy, my first question for you is tell us about the experience or experiences that have shaped your current life path or your current life choices.
1: So I've been a therapist for over 30 years, worked in um, a variety of different settings and probably about 20-ish years ago or so, um, I was kind of questioning, I was speaking to some of my colleagues about um, kind of like some of our frustrations. And um, we were feeling like our clients were shifting only to a certain point. And um it was a little frustrating because I was trying to help my um clients really shift and get to where they where they wanted to go. Um I mean, that's the purpose of therapy, um, is you know, helping people um get back on their life path and clear up what they'd like to clear up. Um so I was just feeling kind of frustrated. And one of my um actually one of my colleagues. Um, had suggested this um, this field that I'd never heard of called energy psychology and energy medicine. And just prior to that, I was actually sitting at a Bessel van der Kolk conference. Um, and Bessel, as many of you know, is a psychiatrist who is one of the leading people in trauma treatment. So it was fascinating to me to watch the slides of the brain um, and to see how different parts of the brain could not be accessed through talk therapy. And for me, that was kind of like an aha moment. Um, it's kind of like with the where the light bulb goes on. And I was like, that's it. I knew there was something missing. There was a missing piece. And then he started introducing this modality called tapping, acupressure tapping. And that's where it kind of led um, to me getting more training and um, to connecting with, with some of my colleagues who at the time uh, were just kind of testing this out. Um, there was a practitioner who was coming to our area with Saratoga at the time um, and training us four times a year. Uh, so that was really the the turning point in my um, kind of like shifting from traditional talk therapy into something that, um, that includes the energy modalities. And it really changed the way that I practice.
0: Yeah, particularly, and I think, if I I know that he also he wrote he wrote a book called The Body Knows a Score, and in that book right. I think he did, and you can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he worked with, he he did a study on eight individuals who experienced trauma, and he he had them write out a script of their trauma and read it, and they took magnetic resonance image, images of the brain. And they found that the part of the brain, I think, particularly Braca's area, which is responsible for, you know, uh, making, you know, you know, putting verbalization to trauma, putting verbalization to an event, and integrating, learning to integrate that event into our into our life narrative, that part shut down during the recall of the trauma, and the right side of the brain, which is very Sensitive to to environmental cues and in noises, which is you know is all a part of a PTSD and uh, individuals with that have PTSD. That part was highly activated, but the part of the brain that was responsible for language and being able to verbalize and talk about the trauma and make sense out of the trauma shut down completely. So some a lot of times what I right. what he discovered was that when people say they have no words to describe the trauma, there may be a a specific scientific explanation for why that happens as it relates to how the brain operates during the recall of trauma.
1: Right, exactly. And that's what I really, you know, I learned through my studies of um, with energy medicine and energy psychology and just being able to use the language of talking to people about different parts of your brain that shut down and how the, the amygdala um, actually hijacks you, meaning that, you know, you can't Really function well. You can't um, express yourself verbally um, and process and and reason because the blood flow shifts from the frontal lobe to the back part of your brain. Um, so through some of this this work um, was really a game changer in helping people process trauma. Um, you know because they couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think sometimes those type of modalities, those energy modalities or tapping or or any other or acupressure as I, as I know you you specialize in as well, um, I think those modalities can have almost more of a of a profound initial effect than all the talk therapy in the world. And if individuals' brain shut down during the discussion of trauma, talk therapy is is For those individuals who are extremely traumatized, isn't going to work. Right. Anyway, um, one of the other things that I know you specialize in is you're certified in energy psychology. Am I correct? Right. Can you tell our listeners and our viewers what energy psychology is and what it is designed to accomplish?
1: So energy psychology, which is also called acupressure tapping, um is a technique that uses tapping on the endpoints of meridians. And meridians in Chinese medicine are rivers of energy. So there are pathways through which energy travels. Um, these acupressure points are really potent and are considered electrical um, in that as we're tapping on them. And these are these are some of them on the endpoints of our um of our eyebrows. Um, different points on our face and other points on our body. Um, So through tapping on these meridian endpoints and stating something about the trauma um, or uh, whatever you're wishing to decrease the intensity level of, an electrical impulse message is sent to the brain and that forms new neural pathways, meaning that um, the trauma or the trigger is processed in a different way. Um, I explain it like it's kind of like um, building a highway around a major city um, so that you're not going through the traffic, you're going around it and you're not, you don't, um, you don't receive the same type of charge that you normally would after doing some of the rounds of tapping.
0: So what has the research indicated about the effectiveness of energy psychology in improving physical and mental health care outcomes?
1: So there've been several different research papers and my teacher and mentor is David Feinstein. He's a PhD psychologist um, who was on the faculty at Hopkins, uh, And David has written and researched this modality extensively. Um, And what he and several other practitioners on Dawson Church would be one who practices something called um, EFT, um, Emotional Freedom Technique, which is very similar Mm -hmm. to the technique that I practice. Um, The research has really shown good results and um, lasting results in helping people decrease traumatic experiences, um, decrease responses. Uh, being able to release self-limiting beliefs, um, really process different types of trauma. Um, I've worked with people who have um, been first responders at 9-11. Um, there have been people, other people in classes that were um, working for the UN and were in a building that was dumped. Um So to process that level of trauma and also to process um, phobias, Um, self-limiting beliefs or anything that's getting in the way of them functioning. So this particular technique has been studied and compared to other modalities like um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, EMDR, eye movement, and desensitization and reprocessing. All of them, um, these techniques and the acupressure tapping energy psychology have been shown to have um very similar effects um, in other words have been as effective as these other techniques
0: and i, I know cognitive behavioral therapy is a, is an evidence based therapy that has proven effective for individuals with depression anxiety and i know and emdr as well too i know has been proven to be effective for individuals who have had you know ptsd or complex ptsd so energy psychology is right up there in terms of, of effectiveness.
1: Right, true. And it has been used and studied extensively um, so that, you know, it can be looked up under any of these authors or just under energy psychology or acupressure tapping. Um, it's also been measured uh, by uh, some of these practitioners, David Feinstein and Dawson Church in particular, have uh, measured brainwave function. And Mm -hmm. um, done that while doing rounds of tapping and watched how the brain waves have shifted and how people's response, and as far as their nervous system and being regulated, has shifted.
0: Was there any correlation? And I know we can't talk about cause and effect when, with those, with those type of, of, of brain studies, when we're looking at changes in cortical areas of the brain. But was there any correlation between increased brainwave activity and improved mood and improved sleep and improved outlook on life?
1: Yes, all of that, Dave, there has been with the studies, um, they've seen all of that and also, um, I've witnessed that both, um, in working with people individually in the office and working with people in a group setting. Um, I have um, co-facilitated workshops with David at Omega Holistic Studies Institute. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, one of the beautiful things that I was able to witness was watching people in a five day workshop shift from being, you know, I don't want to say paralyzed, but being like really um, debilitated by certain situations, phobias. One woman couldn't go over a bridge uh, because she was one of the first responders for 9-11 and remembers walking across the bridge. Um, Other people were musicians that could no longer perform. Um, People who were in the armed forces who were um, also suffering from some post-traumatic stress. So watching people shift from being able to do things like as as a, like somebody that was afraid of bees, but loved to garden and was planting a garden. Um, so, and I watched that person actually walk by a whole, um, a whole beehive and not even be phased. Um, so it's, it's a pretty amazing, simple, um, yet deep technique that really shifts people's lives.
0: It sound, sounds like it It goes right into the area of, I don't know if you want to call it complementary therapy, but it certainly wouldn't be considered to be traditional therapy. But I'm a firm believer that we can integrate evidence-based therapies with complementary therapies to improve physical and mental health care outcomes As well. anyway. Um, I think what evidence-based, with the, whatever limitations are are, evidence-based theories, complementary therapies can can compensate for and vice versa so i'm a firm believer in that kind of an integrative approach anyway let me ask you another another question that just came to me what what would let's say you you had to choose between a client who who might either want or might be a candidate for emotional free or eft which is emotional freedom tapping am i correct Emotional Freedom Technique. Yeah, Freedom Technique. I'm sorry. Emotional Freedom Technique and Energy Psychology, just to get back to that. What would be the deciding factor in which one you would use if both were, were, were potentially therapies that you could utilize for somebody that's experienced trauma, depression, anxiety, or any other type of mental health challenge? Okay. So
1: they're actually really similar. Um, they're almost the almost the same technique, uh, with the exception of energy psychology, um, would blend more of the energy medicine techniques, which is, um, that's who I've studied with energy medicine is Donna Eden. Um, so the, ener- the EFT, which I learned actually first, uh, because I was curious even before I had gone to Bessel van der Kolk's uh, conference. I learned EFT, which is Gary Craig's modality and Dawson Church and Nick Ortner and Jessica Ortner teach EFT. Um, So EFT is very similar um, to energy psychology. What energy psychology adds is some of the energy medicine, um, energy medicine exercises, energy medicine, just a different, um, a little bit different with a little bit of a different twist, but very, very similar. So I would probably, I would always choose the energy psychology just because that feels more like home to me. Um, I more uh, resonate more with it. And I like that um, you can combine the energy medicine techniques along with um, the tapping.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You can get the best of both worlds. Right. So um. How do you integrate energy work with evidence-based therapies? And when is that indicated that you do that with a client?
1: Okay, so typically I wouldn't introduce it at a first session unless I really felt that um, my client needed it. Um, I may introduce some energy techniques in terms of um, relaxing the nervous system. And there are some energy techniques called triple warmer sedation and triple warmer is a meridian. Um, similar to the you know we're tapping on the endpoints of the meridians. Um, triple warmer is one of those meridians that we tap on. But triple warmer is something that gets activated in what we know as the fight flight freeze response. Um, so I may introduce that in a first session if somebody comes in with a with a heightened anxiety. Um, but typically I would introduce it after a first session, And I would um, explain to my clients that this is a modality that I found effective and that I would like for them to explore. And sometimes I would say um, something like, um, it's a little bit different. Um, It may uh, look and sound different than any other type of therapy you might have experienced. But um, if you would just like play along with me or just go along with me, and then let me know how you feel after we go through one round of tapping. And I've never had anybody refuse to do it. I've never had anybody um, give me feedback that was anything positive. I've actually had a lot of people say that they're, they're amazed at how they feel after just one round of tap,
0: just feeling that relief. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what a lot of complimentary therapies can accomplish. It's almost like instant, they get instant feedback and instant relief. And there's an instant change in their, in their behavior and their mood that may take several sessions of just traditional talk therapy to accomplish. So, um, right. and I, never, I mean, I participated in at least, you know, I've, have never, I've had a session, a couple of sessions of Reiki and I felt almost just immediately re-energized more so. That I would in any traditional therapy setting and I felt more clarity I felt more awareness I felt my intuition was at a higher level than it would have been had I just done you know more traditional work or traditional modality so um you'd be preaching to the choir you would need not need to sell me on the um on the power of complementary therapies or energy psychology or tapping or e f t um it's 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 certainly the changes are are very um very drastic and almost very almost immediate within a few sessions so
1: they are and it gives people a sense of um, control and an ability to shift themselves you know that they don't have to be in my office this is a tool that they take home so it's really empowering
0: well and i and i had the um i had the pleasure of going to a recent workshop that you did at uh I think it's move, live, and breathe, at, right. um, in 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 Whitesboro, and it was basically in terms of uh, you know working with empaths and helping empaths manage manage you know their world. And you demonstrated a lot of energy techniques or, or that we could do at home that are protective, that open us up, that don't take a lot of time. But I know when I practiced those, I felt an immediate shift, in in you know my energy levels. And I also felt an immediate shift in my ability to shield myself, you know, from any type of negative energies or too much energies because with empaths, and I think we'll get into that in a bit, empaths are very energy sensitive. And unless they could find a way to manage all this coming at them, they they tend to get drained very quickly and very, um, you know, and out of sorts and anxious. And a lot of times, and this is my pet peeve, a lot of time individuals who are that intuitive, are that energy sensitive, get diagnosed with a mental illness, such as generalized anxiety disorder, uh, ADHD. And it isn't any of that. It's just basically in terms of how they process the world and their ability to manage handling information at light speed and energy from all different sources. So it's our job for those that are versed in complementary therapies to show them some specific techniques that can allow them to be protective to their energy and, you know, achieve some balance in the physical world. So,
1: yeah, that's all true, Dave. And as, a, as an empath myself, I was finding it almost painful um, to not be able to share information with people. Like I needed to gather this information and experience it myself um, in order to help share it and to help other people. Um, because as people were coming into my office and very similar stories, I was hearing, you know, people like you had mentioned being, depre- um, being depressed, Being well, some of them were actually depressed that they had been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or ADHD or ADD or some of them, you know, bipolar disorder. Um, and I found some of those diagnoses weren't necessarily true, that in fact it was that they were having difficulty navigating the world and all of the energy in the world and being so sensitive to this energy. Um, Also with, you know, with addictions too, um, that that comes into play with people trying to navigate this um, pain, feeling the pain of others, feeling the pain of the world, um, being able to shield themselves, and then being able to recognize that this really my energy or is this the energy of someone else that I might have picked up um, from walking into this store? So I, I felt that was imperative. I I know for it really changed my ability to function and to be able to be out, you know, to be out in the world mm-hmm. with all of the energy.
0: Where are you doing private practice right now?
1: Um, so I am at Mohawk Valley Counseling, uh, which is on French Road in New Hartford.
0: Okay, and we'll we'll have all that contact information in the show notes, but the reason i I, I kind of went into that is do you do you see a lot do you see a percentage of of adults who are empaths or, that are in your practice that are having difficulty managing that not only their internal energy but but the energy that surrounds them on a daily basis?
1: I do, yeah, adults and teens. And um, at times, children, too, who are highly intuitive. So um, most of my practice tends to be people who would identify as empaths. Um, Sometimes they know that. Other times they don't. But when I start describing the different, um, different characteristics of somebody who is an empath, people will identify with that and will tell me that they've been always trying to figure out what was wrong with them, is often what people say to me
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i've you know in my capacity as uh, as a adjunct professor at utica university and also at pratt munson when we've addressed you know intuitiveness in classes we've talked about individuals developing their intuition or we've talked about empaths or we've talked about indigo children i've had students come up to me or email saying me you know you describe me to a t this is how I see the world, but I was afraid to, to previously own that because of how it would be perceived. I would be, would I be perceived as having a mental illness? Would I be perceived as being crazy? Would I not be believed? So they went underground with it and maybe developed some other not so healthy coping mechanisms to deal with that. So once we created a a scenario where we were, um. You know, talking about that openly, it gave them permission to, to to own their authentic self.
1: That's really the goal. That's my goal, Dave, is to to give people that, you know, that ability to own their authenticity and to really know that there's nothing wrong with them. There There is um, a lot that's right with them, you know, and it's that they perceive the world in a different way, um, maybe from some others. And that they've been called, you know on um, different things like, you know, people might have said to them, "Oh, you're so sensitive." Um, you know, like, what's wrong with you?" Um, because of their their uh, reactions. And most of the times, people that I see who identify as empaths didn't fit into their families. Um, they didn't really fit into their um, their social groups, and so they were always saying they always felt like an outsider. Um, So we work with that and we work with like teaching them different techniques like you had mentioned to shield their energy, different ways to disconnect energetically, um, ways to like really take care of themselves and um, be able to be their authentic selves in the world.
0: And I know my life has been enriched because I have individuals in my support circle like you um and other empaths and other very intuitive healers along with individuals who are very grounded in, in in rational science and having that really diverse mix works for me um i can i can navigate both worlds very easily um and it, it's just great because i love sitting with with an empath or somebody who's intuitive or somebody where the veil between this world and other worlds is non-existent, and listen to their perception of the world, listen to how they see the world, listen to their multidimensional perspectives. It's something that inspires me, it's something that gets me thinking, it's something that puts my critical thinking skills into play, and I, I see not how I can not integrate this, but how can I integrate what I'm hearing, either all of what I'm hearing, or part of what I'm hearing, to 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 my existing belief system and it's great because i open myself up to new experiences and new individuals and it's great
1: yeah it really does open up a whole nother world for you and so that's that's what you know studying energy medicine and energy psychology did for me um it also led me into like as energy medicine is the learning how to work with the energy with your whole energy field your Um, your chakras, um, your aura, and that's where, excuse me, we're talking about shielding yourself, your aura as impact um, so that energy can bounce off of you rather than you absorb it. Um, I also found that I started to get into something called the Akashic Records as I was um, working with the chakras. And I was noticing that um, I was getting information from people's chakras, um, specifically the, um, the base chakra, um, the root chakra, that was um, not something that I should have known, information that I didn't know from this person, information that sometimes wasn't of this time and place, this current lifetime. And so um, I started getting interested and trained in the Akashic records and found that that was very therapeutic. And just being able to say to people, this may be why you have trouble with this person, or um, this particular type of person, or why this pattern keeps repeating in your lifetime. Um, it's a lot about karmic lessons and clearing karmic debt. Um, so that was a great, um, a great thing to add to um, to my repertoire as well personally and professionally.
0: Tammy, for those who may not be familiar with the Akashic records, what exactly are Akashic records?
1: Um, so the Akashic records are a journal or a journey of your soul. It's a reflection of your soul's journey. Um, not just within this lifetime, but within any lifetime that you've had with this, you know, with this soul experience so i um i see it as a as a book um, that we each have a book it's stored in what we call the an etheric library in the sixth dimension which is above the dimension that we're in right now Um, and it's something that um, can be accessed through the through a pathway akashic records pathway prayer it's called um so that's what the records do—is help you understand some of your past life experiences and how it may relate. I, in my experience, it's always related to this current life experience.
0: Yeah, and I'm a I'm a firm believer that our my soul has done this more than once. Um, I think my I've been told I'm an old soul and. I have probably lived many lifetimes in, in many different centuries, and I really believe that. And when that knowledge is revealed to me, either through work, working with spiritual mentors or spiritual intuitives, it gives me clarity in terms of why certain decisions or certain paths in my life went the way they did by understanding what happened in past lives and what my soul and the souls of those who were in my soul group needed to do to resolve their, their karma um, for, for the evolution of their souls. I would recommend that if anybody is interested in past lives or believes in that, find somebody like yourself, um, who can read the akashic Akos- records and, you know, perhaps provide some clarity. I think that's always, always a good thing. Um, so certainly the past and our past lives can certainly be a teacher to us in the present. So,
1: Right, and we tend to repeat patterns, um which is you know comes out of uh, the akashic records, um different patterns, different occupations, we tend to repeat those as well. um I do remember like, like for instance, when I was studying energy medicine, and part of my um part of my graduation process was to go through um testing out, meaning that I had to demonstrate the knowledge that i had um, I had learned in through my studies with one of the um, master level teachers. And I remember her turning to me and saying, oh, you really know this, meaning like you've done this before. And I knew what she was saying when she said, oh, you really know this. I was like, yeah, I have done this before. It just came, just came very easy. And it was like a refresher. And so that's how, um, You can identify some of those things, some of those, like, maybe I did this in a past life. I definitely did this Mm -hmm. in a past life. Um, Different things that you may have an affinity for. Um, Some people have had an affinity for maybe perhaps like um, things of um, like Scottish nature. always wanted to um, visit Ireland or feeling at home, different places. I've been, you know, I've gone, traveled different places and felt like I was home, although I had never lived there before. Um, so those are some indicators of, um, past life experiences that can be revealed through the Akashic records.
0: It's it, it, it is fascinating. It is a fascinating experience to partake of. And I'd recommend that everybody try that at least once and then, you know, so, see where that goes, see how they feel after that. See what type of clarities they, they've, they've achieved or see basically how it's, how the reading of the akashic records how that has provided a paradigm shift or a shift in their perspective it would be interesting to measure all of that um and for me and i do go ahead
1: go ahead i was going to say just that i do have um an article on my website um which i'll I'll give to everyone about the akashic records if they were interested in how the process um is how we go through the process and a little bit more information about the records
0: i'll put the link to your website for sure and if you want to send me the specific link to the article i can put that in there as well too in the program okay. notes when when the podcast goes live so so i mentioned in the bio that you're in the process of writing a book it's called uh rebellious healers um finding your balance so Given the fact that you do what you do with energy psychology, energy, DFT, acupressure, reading the Akashic Records, that would probably go into the area of individuals who are considered to be rebellious healers. I like to look at them as being very creative healers and healers that do not not subscribe to conventional wisdom because as my late daughter Janine has always taught me, Conventional wisdom is highly overrated. And so I'm I love rebellious healers. I, I love the concept. So tell me more about what the book is about, how you what a rebellious healer actually is, and where you fit in all of this. Okay. Um
1: so it just makes me so happy listening to you describe that, Dave, because I see that in you. Um I see you as a rebellious healer. Um uh, so when I first started um, thinking about writing a book, which has been several years ago, I um, was trying to figure out what I w- really wanted to teach people, like wisdom that I wanted to pass on through um, the journey that I've had. And I, when I look back at my life and even where I am currently, um, I could see that I never wanted to conform. Um, so and that started, you know, in like my teenage years, you know, typical teenage nonconformity. Um, and then continued on in different forms. Um, so i never wanted to follow the norm. Um, my uh, my kids would say, mom, you're not like the other ones. And I was also, you know, I was bringing my kids to like energy medicine workshops and things that the other, you know, their friends' parents weren't going to. Um, so in my my view of rebellious healers, um, the term like, we had talked about empaths before, Um, Being an empath would be synonymous with being a rebellious healer. Um, Being somebody who is called an indigo soul um, would also be a rebellious healer, Um, a light worker, somebody who just um, doesn't follow the path of other people, um, beats to their own drum and um, is very creative, as you had mentioned, Dave, Um, may create in different ways than um, what is considered the norm as far as creativity and what happens with rebellious healers often is, um, you know, they end in my office, end up in my office or end up in other therapist's office because they feel the rejection. Um, they feel the pressure to conform. Um, they receive maybe negative messages about themselves. Um, maybe they were raised in a family that didn't really understand. Them. Um, so. That tends to be the case. Um, so they end up with, um, with as you had mentioned, feeling depressed, being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, um, having difficulty existing in the world. Um, so I really wanted to write this book because as a rebellious healer, I realized that I wasn't really living my authentic truth. And I wanted to help people find their authentic truths, like I found my authentic truth. And be able to express it. And for me, it was. It will also be part of my coming out story um, that um, I realized that um, living in a heteronormative culture that um, it wasn't fitting for me, and that it didn't feel natural to me. And I embrace now um, that I am a queer cisgendered woman. Um, who has a wife who is now living in her authentic truths. So part of my book will be part of my memoir, um, and it will be all about um, self-help, combining some of these energy modalities and other things that I've learned along the way. So it'll be for um, rebellious healers to recognize, are you a rebellious healer? Uh, Because you probably are if you're picking up the book, if you're curious about this. And um, how to find your balance, because I felt out of balance for so long, and I didn't realize that I was physically out of balance, that in yoga class, I couldn't stand in tree pose very long, um, that I was emotionally out of balance, that I was dysregulated, that I was um, out of balance spiritually until I embraced myself as a rebellious healer, um, acknowledged that there's nothing wrong with me. There's a lot right with me. And that um, I want to pass that on to others.
0: Well, and I could say from from personal experiences that your wife and partner is truly a rebellious healer. I've known I've known her for a long time, and I couldn't think of a, a better fit for her, and a better fit for for you than that. You know that that's a match made in, in heaven, and I was rooting for that to happen for for a long time, and I'm I'm, I'm glad it. I'm glad it came to fruition and, um, and certainly I, I consider you not only colleagues but dear friends and and I'm just glad that part of your authentic truth was finding your true soulmate as well too. Thanks, Dave. That's true. So what do you have? Do you have a tentative publication date or are you going to let Spirit pretty much dictate the plan or what, what's your... What's your uh, time frame for getting this out to the masses?
1: So at this point, I'm still working on my first draft. Um, so I don't have a tentative publication date right now i'm I'm writing actually with a group of other queer authors, uh, which has been very supportive um, for me to write in this in this venue. Um, so I don't have the publication date yet. I'm hoping to have the uh, first draft done by some point next year.
0: Uh, I'll be excited to to hear the updates and hear how, how your book is progressing. So give our listeners one or two takeaways from your own life experiences that can help them transcend, challenge, or address um, their own life paths.
1: Okay. Um, one thing that I was thinking about that question Um, And one of the things I would say to your listeners is that um, to not be afraid to go outside the norm, to not be afraid to like color outside the lines, uh, to try different things, you know, to experience different things. Um, This summer, I walked on a glacier with my daughter and my wife, and it was very, it was very frightening. But I was so glad that I pushed beyond that fear and said, I can do this, and I can walk on a glacier and have an amazing experience. Um, And it was one of my favorite parts of my trip to Alaska. So I would say to your listeners to be able to push beyond that norm, experience different things, and embrace your truth and your authenticity.
0: And and I think in the process, by doing that, you also overcome fear. Um, And I've had, you know, i've i've had uh as you know you know patty farino who's been um a major you know the most the most influential healer in my life for a lot of different reasons um basically she said what we fear is going to come keep resurfacing until we deal with it
1: yeah that is true david keeps resurfacing and and different things i've noticed um not just for fear, but for other things. Um, if I'm not paying attention to messages that I'm being given from the universe and from my guides, that I will have people often come into my office and give me those messages. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to pay attention to the messages, and also I would say to our you know our listeners that um, don't be afraid to embrace joy and to play. That was something that I needed to learn again: was to to play and embracing joy. And that was a big lesson.
0: You know, I, I think particularly for individuals who are grieving uh, catastrophic loss, um, I think eventually it's important that we can show them that joy and, and grief and sadness can coexist um, in this kind of very yin and yang symphony that, had, that has something to teach us. And getting back to the whole piece with fear, I think Pema Drone said and I, I may be paraphrasing this is nothing ever truly goes away until it has nothing left to teach us. So once we heed the teaching and we confront what continues to resurface, that no longer becomes a factor in our lives. And we've learned from that and we grow from it.
1: Yeah. I like her too. She's a great teacher and um, that's so true. And I'm reminding, reminded of that every day um, that I'm, you know, the teacher and the student and often the student Mm -hmm. more so than more than the teacher.
0: I told my students that if I believe I've known, I know everything, I should stop teaching because there's nothing left I can learn from anybody. Because being an effective teacher involves being an effective learner and utilizing that to become an effective teacher. And I also think we were able to build a community of individuals when we establish ourselves as learners and teachers. And we break down traditional hierarchies that keep people separate. So my last question. If people want to find out more about you, they want to get in contact with you, they want to retain you for workshops, for private practice. What's the best way to get in touch with you, Tammy?
1: Um, so they can look at my website, which is www.tammyzumbo.com. Um, they can find me there. Um, they can also email me, which is my first name, Tammy, L-C-S-W-R at gmail.com. And on my website, they can find um, other contact information to get a hold of me. I do also remote work as well as in office
0: with people work. Well, that's good. That also expands your client base. You're now limited by geographic location. And I think a lot of individuals do prefer remote, remote learning or remote uh, telehealth. Um, they have, I think, a more wider variety of therapists to choose from that are not necessarily, and they're not necessarily confined to their areas. So, well, Tammy, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, I hope we can do this again soon. That would be great. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. That is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode, and please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.